Well, we now come to our main Bible reading, and we're going to read in Philemon, the whole book. If a page number would be helpful, it's 1,000, but that's only if you've got the same Bible as me. And it says this, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have towards the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what's required... Yet for your love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he's indeed useful to you and to me. I'm sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion but of your own accord. For this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever. No longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother. Especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all, or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it, to say nothing of you owing me even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I'm hoping that through your prayers I'll be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ, Jesus, sends greetings to you. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, <coughs> Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Well, in a moment, we're going to have a look at this short letter. But before we do, just a few things to mention. At the end of our 
sermon, there'll be an opportunity to ask questions or make comments in light of the things we've been thinking about this morning. So I want you to bear that in mind so that you know the questions are coming up and you can be thinking of what question or comment you might like to make. Uh, We normally get through about three, um, depending on how long it takes me to answer them. Another thing to mention is the sermon outline. So in your service sheet, there's a sermon outline which you can use or ignore at your will. If it's helpful, obviously use it. If not, don't worry about it. And then finally, and most importantly, let's pray and ask God to help us. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this brief letter from Paul to Philemon. We pray, Lord, as we reflect on it today, we might mine it of many of its truths so that we might uh, imitate your servant Paul, reflect on how we're to relate to one another, and most of all, get to know further the God who we serve. Amen. Joseph's troubles all began when his brother, or brothers, decided they wanted him dead. They determined to kill him and throw his body into a pit. Reuben, the eldest of the brothers, hopes to save him, and so persuades his brothers not to kill him when they throw him in the pit. While Reuben's elsewhere, the brothers have a better idea they decide to sell Joseph into slavery. At least then they can make some money out of him. And so upon Reuben's return, he discovers there's no hope of saving Joseph. In Egypt, Joseph is sold to Potiphar. When Joseph refuses the advances of Potiphar's wife, she has him thrown into prison. And it's in prison that Joseph is discovered to have the ability to interpret dreams. But upon his release, the cupbearer, who received the positive interpretation, forgets about Joseph. It's only once Pharaoh has his dream that the cupbearer remembers Joseph. Now, it hasn't taken me very long to describe Joseph's troubles. But those troubles he had to endure for quite a while. There was enough time for him to become entrusted by Potiphar. Enough time for him to be entrusted by the keeper of the prison. And then there's the two years between the cupbearer's release and Pharaoh's dream. Joseph had to endure absence from his family and no longer being in the promised land. But when Joseph is finally reunited with his brothers, this is his evaluation. It's taken from the reading we had earlier. Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near. And he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years and there are yet five years in which there will be neither ploughing nor harvest. 
And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. It's a startling comment made by Joseph. Despised by his family, then estranged from them. Away from the land of his ancestors, sold into slavery, left in prison, missing out on all that he might have expected from life. And he simply understands that it was God who sent him ahead of his family. He demonstrates no bitterness for what he's had to experience. There's no evidence that he ever tells his brothers all that he endured, not for the reason of making them feel guilty at least, though we clearly have it recorded here. Joseph understands that you, brothers, meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. To bring about many people should be kept alive as they are today. Joseph understands that God has worked his providence through the evil actions of his brother. And though he had to endure much, this isn't what he focuses upon. He sees what's happened from God's perspective. Now for us, everything that he had to come about for God to achieve his purposes are quite remarkable. You think about it this way. The brothers wanted to kill Joseph, but that can't happen for God's plan to work out. Reuben then steps in so he would survive. But Reuben's motivation was to return him to his father alive, which would also undermine God's plan. The brothers decide to make some money and sell him into slavery. And so Reuben's prevented from uniting him to Jacob. Joseph could have seen his days out in Potiphar's household. But he was handsome and Potiphar's wife wanted him. He declined and ended up in prison. He's in prison where he might have remained, but he met the cupbearer. When the cupbearer was released, he might have remembered Joseph, and I don't know what would have happened. Maybe Pharaoh takes him from prison and sends him home. But nevertheless, it didn't happen. He remained in prison until the night Pharaoh had his dream. The cupbearer did remember, though he could have forgotten. Pharaoh was happy to listen. Joseph was taken seriously. And Joseph's plan was implemented. God was in control and brought about his good purposes through his providence. And Israel would become a nation through which God would bring salvation to all the nations. At which point you're probably thinking... Tom clearly has nothing to say about the book of Philemon. Which is why he's telling us all about Joseph. Well, maybe 
Or maybe there are some similarities of themes between the account of Joseph and the letter of Philemon. Onesimus is a slave. And he is Philemon's slave. But Onesimus has done something wrong. Now, he must have left Philemon, otherwise he wouldn't have found his way to Paul. It may be as well that he's stolen some money from Philemon. Or when Paul speaks of Onesimus owing something to Philemon, he may be simply referring to the work that he had missed in his absence. It seems that Onesimus was never a very good slave. Paul describes him as useless. Which no doubt is further exacerbated by him running off. Having run away from his position as Philemon's slave, Anesimus stumbles across Paul. In verse 10, Paul refers to Anesimus as his child, whose father he has become. This indicates that Anesimus has become a Christian under the ministry of Paul. Philemon himself also owes even your own self to Paul, referring also to the fact that Philemon is only a Christian because of the work of Paul. So this is the context of the letter and the reason for Paul writing the letter. Paul finds himself in the presence of Philemon's missing slave. But a lot has changed since Philemon last saw Onesimus. And so the letter is intended to put things right. So, what does Paul wish to achieve by writing to Philemon? There's actually quite a bit going on here. In fact, what we have exemplified in this brief letter is the impact of the gospel. So let's highlight a few examples. Have a look at verse 11. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. Anesimus has a reputation for being a bad slave. But now the gospel has taken effect upon him, Paul expects him to be a very good slave. So much so that Paul would like to keep him with him because he's served him with such diligence since he's become a Christian. But Paul can't keep him because Onesimus belongs to Philemon. And Paul refuses to demand that Philemon allow Onesimus to stay with him and continue to serve him during his imprisonments. But this is the request that Paul wishes to make of Philemon, that he allows Onesimus to return to Paul. So as to do things appropriately, and only after Philemon's consent would he have Onesimus return to him, Paul sends Onesimus back to Philemon. And Paul's keen that Philemon receives Onesimus well, despite the trouble that he's caused Onesimus, caused Philemon. Paul wishes that the two of them be reconciled because they both become Christians through Paul's ministry and are both part of God's church. 
though their relationship in this fallen world is master and slave, they have a new relationship, a relationship that transcends the fallen world. They are brothers in Christ. They're part of the new humanity that reveals the manifold wisdom of God. So Onesimus is a changed man, a man of repentance. And Paul expects Philemon to forgive him for whatever he's done to wrong him. And Paul's happy himself to make any restitution necessary so they too can be united as the Christian brothers they are. And then once they were united, Paul asked Philemon to send Onesimus back to him so that Philemon can serve Paul while he's in prison through the gift of Onesimus. This raises a few questions. Did Philemon receive Onesimus as a brother at Paul's request? Did Philemon free Onesimus and send him back to Paul to serve his needs? Well, apart from Colossians 4 verse 9, Onesimus is never mentioned again. But if we think of it this way, had Philemon refused to receive Onesimus, and had he not returned him to Paul, would the letter of Philemon have become part of the biblical canon? It makes most sense to conclude that Philemon's inclusion in the canon is precisely because Philemon played out the request that Paul made. And just for the sake of completeness, uh, the early church father Ignatius writes of an Onesimus who becomes bishop of Ephesus. Some believe it could be the same Onesimus as is mentioned here. The gospel changes people, and this is demonstrated by the letter of Philemon. But what does this all have to do with Joseph? Well, it's interesting. Anesimus' initial act of fleeing Philemon was wrong. Yet in the providence of God, God brought about his good purpose through Onesimus' unwise decision. He would meet Paul. He would become a Christian. Become a changed man. One who was useless became of the greatest of use. He was reconciled to his slave master and then served the apostle Paul. And in God's providence, while his freedom was of some temporary use to him, something much greater occurred. As a Christian, whether slave or free, it is of no significance. What matters is is that he has become part of the people of God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you work your providence through your creation and that that gives us great assurance.
because your plans can never be thwarted and never compromised. As we reflect back on our lives, might we appreciate how you've worked your providence through us. And might we also understand that you don't work through both the good thing, only the good things, but also those things that are evil because you are sovereign over your creation and bring all things to bear on your plan. Amen. Well, I mentioned at the start that there'd be an opportunity to ask any questions or make any comments in light of the things that we've been thinking about. I'm not sure when we'll be next visiting Philemon, so this is your chance. Yes, Nathan. Okay, um, so let's have a look. Oh, yes, I'm, gonna, I'm just about to repeat it. So the re- question for the tape is, and for Adrian, uh, verse 9, it says, Yet for love, your love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus. So when it says old man, where does orientate ourselves? Do we find ourselves in, is this... Paul's initial prison stop where it will eventually be released or is this his final prison stop? Brief answer is I'm not sure but I think we're going to find out when we look at Colossians next because Philemon and Colossians are written together so I think they are one and the same and are both sent to Colossae together so that will come out then. So basically ask Adrian next week. (laughs) Well, now you know what question's coming up, don't you? Katie. Yes, yeah. I think we've covered it before, but I can't remember what the difference was. Yeah, sure. Okay, so how do we think about slavery, particularly given, so earlier on I described, well, and Paul describes as well, the implication is that Anisimus fleeing Philemon is wrong. Um, But actually, nowadays, we would probably encourage a slave to... uh, get their freedom, as it were. Uh, 
Um, yeah, I might go a, down a slightly different route. I, I, you're right. We, I, think, I think we can make uh, distinctions between um, what we think of in terms of modern slavery and uh, the slavery here. But I think one of the things that's worth bearing in mind is that Paul, in no point of his letters, sits down and says, right, okay, let's talk about slavery. Is it a good thing or a bad thing? He never, he never does sort of like a theology of slavery, as it were. Um, because actually that's not really where his force is, in the sense that his purpose is to talk about the situations we find ourselves in. And so Philemon and Onesimus find themselves in this master-slave situation, which was common and something that um, it was just part of how the world was. So he doesn't say, oh, this is wrong, we shouldn't do it, let's move away from this. But rather he's like, since you find yourself in this position, in this fallen world, actually anticipate what things will be like in the new heavens and the new earth where there is no slavery. So um, we've got this idea in verse 15, for this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while, that you, may, you might have him back forever. So the implication there is he could turn back, arrive back, and he would arrive back as a slave. He would continue to serve Philemon. Uh, but no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant. So not implying that he will cease to be a, bond, uh, a slave, but that he will be more than a slave, in that he's a beloved brother. And he says, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and the Lord. So there's a sense in that Onesimus remains a slave to Philemon, but he has this relationship with Philemon that transcends that fallen relationship in that he is brothers in Christ. And of course that will be the day, and then there will come a day when that becomes a reality and it's all its fullness, and the slave thing will be left behind in the fallen world. Um, I think Adrian's probably better, because he, he's done the, the slave stuff before, so if you do want to know more about that s distinction between now and then, probably worth having a quick chat. But is that, is that all right? I, I kind of just came up with my own question, answered my own question, ignored your question. <laughs> I hope you don't mind. <laughs> um, don't go too well today, is it? Uh, time for one more. Yes, Nikki. Yes. Okay, so Nikki's question is unpack Paul's prayer uh, from four, four to seven? Yeah. Oh, were you thinking less? Verse six. So it says, And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. Okay, so I think what's going on here is Paul is saying, 
So Paul's already said that he's encouraged from what he's heard about Philemon. So back in verse 5, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have towards the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I think it's just that sense of when people hear of other people's faith and perseverance and assuredness in Christ, that causes others to be encouraged. I think something like that's going on. Yeah, is that all right? Okay, we'll stop there if everyone's happy. Okay, what we're going to do now is we are going to sing before the throne of God above, and then we're going to have a further brief reflection on a theme that we've been thinking about.